And um, I dealt with an issue a couple weeks ago uh, on the Sunday afternoon because um, a couple of us uh, had gotten into a situation where we were dealing with a person that believed in baptismal regeneration and uh, the idea that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And we spent uh, a pretty good bit of time uh, that Sunday afternoon showing some things from Scripture, uh, why that would not be so, uh, how that there are issues there. And uh, we've been continuing to deal with this fellow uh, now for several weeks. And uh, one of the things that I noticed when we were talking about uh, leading a Mormon to Christ back, it's been now probably six, seven, eight months ago, <clears throat> was getting them to understand the error uh, of what they believed was really only half of winning them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the problem with it is when, when you show somebody from Scripture and you convince them from Scripture, let me rephrase that, the Holy Spirit shows them from Scripture and uh, they understand it to be truth. Uh, and it's, it's something contrary to what they have already believed to be truth in their life. Then the truth that they were believing in has crumbled at that point. And while I say that that, as Christians, we think, well, if we can just get them to that point, the, the battle's over. Well, really, the battle has just begun at that point. Because not only have we destroyed the, what they thought and what they had held to to be truth, but now they begin to question, we've left a vacuum there, well, is there any truth that I can believe in? Uh, is there something that I can hold to that I, I can know for sure is truth? Because, I mean, for years I've thought this was truth, and now all of a sudden apparently it's not. Uh, and so I, I'm a little bit uh, fearful sometimes of um, when, we, when we work with people and show them from Scripture that what they have held to and what they've believed in for a long period of time is not so, that, that we, we leave it there and that's kind of the last place we go. And I'm, my, my fear is that we leave a lot of people floundering then, not, not knowing what truth is. And so we've, uh, Brother Harold and I have been praying and studying and talking a lot, and some I've talked to a couple other folks even about this in the last week or so, um, just getting their input and some ideas and thoughts on this. Uh, and uh, it's amazing to me that um, Scripture not only shows us that baptismal regeneration is not is not so, but it tells us what what does cause us to be saved, what does cause us to have uh, the Holy Spirit of God come in and dwell us, what, what is it that does cause uh, God to uh, create in us a new creature? If it's not baptism, then what is it, and can we show it from Scripture? And so this afternoon I'm going to give you uh, a number of verses, a number of Scripture, we're going to go over them. Uh, this kind of is a, a follow-up or a sister lesson, if you will on the one that we had a few weeks ago regarding baptismal regeneration. Jonathan, are we streaming back there? Okay. Because um, we're going to give a lot of information here. There may be some you miss. If we go, I'm going to try not to go too fast for you, but if you miss one or something, we'll have it recorded, and you can go back and listen to it. So understand the purpose of the lesson this afternoon is, um, I, th I feel like a few weeks ago we gave uh, some scriptural ways that we can refute uh, the doctrinal error uh, now we need to be able to give defense to the correct doctrine. And so today's uh, lesson is going to be on some scriptural ways that we can now reinforce uh, pure doctrine or right doctrine in this area uh, of salvation. So I want to help you with that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter number 1 to begin with. Ephesians chapter number 1. 
And again, there are one of the things, and let me just give this by way of introduction. One of the things that a lot of the Baptistic, or baptismal regeneration folks hold to are probably a handful, maybe half a dozen, ten or so verses or passages that speak of believing and baptism or repentance and baptism. Uh, Acts 2.38 is a big one they like to go to. And again, these are, are scriptures that they try to show. Uh, but there are so many passages in scripture that say believe only. And that's all you have to do. Uh, so, uh, you know, a big, big discussion sometimes is uh, then they, they, they throw at us and say, well, then you guys don't think that baptism is important. No, no, we think it's important. We just don't believe it's necessary for salvation. We believe it's the first step of obedience after salvation. And that's the difference, really, uh, that we face. And so um, uh, understand this, that God uh, wants to make very clear His plan of salvation. The Apostle Paul, who was well, well educated and was a master at very clearly in defi- uh, laying a, a foundation uh, and drawing a conclusion from it that you could not uh, refute because of how well the foundation had been laid, over and over and over again, we find that that uh, believing and uh, being saved uh, is used in Scripture without without baptism ever being mentioned. And again, one of the great things I look at is uh, both with God's desire for man to be saved, and we look at even most of Paul's writings uh, and how careful he was and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself to pen these things, that oftentimes he did not put in there uh, anything about baptism. In fact, Paul made mention of this. He said, I was not sent to baptize, but I was sent to preach the gospel. And again, if baptism had been part of salvation, then why would God send Paul not to, not to baptize? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so again, uh, there are a lot of things we can use to refute. And I want us to be able to give a defense of then, well, what is truth? What is truth? So let's take a look at some scripture. Ephesians chapter number 1. Paul writes, in whom also ye, in whom ye also what? What is the next word there? In whom ye also what? Trusted. Again, Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth. So, the word of God had to be preached. And they trusted it. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that, ye, what's the next word here? Believed ye were what? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, again, uh, we find that the Holy Spirit of promise comes into a, a believer and indwells a believer upon the belief in God. They're trusting in God. They're putting their faith in God. Um, one of the things that we came across recently in discussing things, uh, because a lot of the baptismal regeneration folks believe that you get baptized in order to receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And yet we find that Acts tells us that Cornelius, uh, when he was uh, being saved, actually had the Holy Ghost before he was baptized. If that's the case, then obviously there had to be something that gave him the Holy Ghost, that gave him the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Scripture teaches that the belief is the part of that. So Ephesians 1.13 is a really great, great verse. Probably one of the best verses you can use uh, on this issue. And it's very clear. I mean, it's not, it's not one of those ones that you have to sit and scratch your head and wonder what they're, what they're saying in it. Uh, it's very clear. 
that uh, they get the Holy Spirit of promise by believing. Notice also with me now in John chapter number 7. John chapter number 7. And um, I've got, I think, maybe about 10 or 12 verses here. And I'll say this, I don't have all of them uh, here with me that we've come across. There are many more. And so, again, we're not going to give you a complete list, but we're going to give you enough to be, defend, be, be defending the gospel here. John chapter number 7, let's look in verse number 38. John chapter 7 and verse number 38. Jesus is speaking here, and He says, He that believeth on Me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of what? The living water. Well, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? But this spake He of the Spirit. So this living water that's supposed to be flowing out of us is the Spirit. Which they that... What are the next three words? Should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So again, what is the, what is the event that takes place in a Christian's life, in a Christian's heart, that brings the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God to us? According to verse number 38 and verse number 39, we find that again it comes by our belief, our trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel and the gospel message. So, Again, nothing said there of baptism. Uh, there's no baptism uh, mentioned with regards to receiving the Holy Ghost in that particular issue. Uh, let's look in Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. And again, my, my contention is that if baptism was a requirement of salvation, then every time that God mentioned how to be saved, He would have put baptism in there. Every time. But because it's not in there every time, we find that the salvation comes through another method. And baptism should, and always does, even baptismal regeneration folks will concede to the fact that it always follows believing. Um, so very, very important there. All right, Romans chapter number 5. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by what? By faith. This is what gives us the ability to be just as made just as if we had never sinned. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by what? Faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the what? Which was given unto us. So again, uh, all of the context of this particular passage, receiving the Holy Ghost, deals with having the faith. Having faith. Okay, so again, uh, no mention of baptism. No mention of... Uh, uh, being uh, dunked in the water or anything along those lines, uh, all of it has to do with faith. All right, Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. <clears throat> and 
And let's look at verse number 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by what? Now, that cannot be stated much clearer. That He will dwell in our hearts by what? By faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. comes by faith. You don't find any mention of baptism in that passage. None. Ephesians chapter 2, very familiar passage. Many of you can quote it. For by grace are ye saved through... Can't state that very any clearer than that. Sometimes we use Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and focus the emphasis on verse number 9 to refute water baptism. We say, well, it can't be water baptism because that's works, and verse number 9 says it's not works. But I would rather see us defend our position by verse number 8. Because it's irrefutable that grace saves us through faith. Not through baptism, but through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's really all that's needed to defend this. That's really all that's needed to show somebody that salvation comes by faith, not by baptism. Alright? Let's look in uh, Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. Let's go down to verse number 8. Paul says this, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by what? I get righteousness, and it's not my righteousness, but it is God's righteousness. I get that by faith. Do we have any illustration of that in Scripture? Turn to the book of Hebrews 11, you'll find a ton of illustration that righteousness of God was imputed on these folks by faith. You'll find it over and over and over again. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Abraham had righteousness imputed to him, not because of his works, but because of his faith. All right? Uh, Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1. We're again reading in verse number 3. We'll read several verses here. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. And bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Okay, so again, since the day ye heard of it, and you knew the grace of God in 
truth. Again, no mention of baptism here, but because of the context of the passage in verse number 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, when they heard the gospel, verse number 6, and knew the grace of God in truth. So they had faith in the gospel. That was what saved them. All right? So look in 1 Timothy. Again, most of these passages are, are not passages that you have to sit there and scratch your head and say, well, I wonder what he meant by that. They're, they're pretty clear. Uh, you, don't, you don't really have to sit and, and really mull them over and dig deep to try to find what they're saying. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all, notice this, uh, Savior of all men, notice this, especially of those that believe. He is the Savior of those that believe, specifically, especially uh, to those that believe. And uh, so again, he, this is what causes Christ to become our Savior. It's the belief. I, I'm very careful of this. When we lead someone to Christ, oftentimes we uh, have them pray. We call it the sinner's prayer. And, and I'm going to have some people that are going to say, Brother Greg, you're, you're not right on that. You're a heretic on that, and, and that's not right. But to me, the praying that is spoken of in Scripture is only an outward expression of what has already taken place in the heart. The salvation takes place by faith, not by praying the prayer. And my fear is sometimes when we lead someone to Christ, we go through the, the, the routine of, of, Brother Kevin mentioned, the Romans Road. If we're not careful, we'll get so accustomed and used to sharing the Romans Road and getting them to pray at the very end that there is no act of faith in their heart. They've prayed a prayer, but they're a lost prayer is what they are. They've prayed, but they're, they're still lost because even though they've said something with their mouth, the, the faith has not taken place. Over and over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, we find that salvation does not come by baptism. It doesn't even come by the prayer that is said, but by the faith or the thing that took place in the heart. Very big difference. If a person was convicted by the Holy Ghost of their need of a Savior in a service, and they were responding to the invitation to come forward and trust Christ as their Savior and died before they got here to pray a prayer, I believe they were already saved the moment they moved out of that seat and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Very important that we understand what the Bible teaches regarding salvation. And, and by the way, I say this having been a pastor's son and always pointing back to for 13 years what I did on that, by that bedside. Well, I prayed with my mom, so I'm saved. I was not saved any more than the man in the moon was. I just wasn't. Uh, because there had been no faith, there had been no, no trusting Christ. It was trusting what I did. The, the prayer that I said was what I was trusting in. But it was not trusting in Christ and, and what He did on Calvary. So very, very important that we understand that. Alright, let's look in Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3, we have a few more here. And again, I, I'm, I believe that Christ made salvation easy. I don't believe He made it difficult. So I'm not against someone getting saved, uh, understanding the simplicity of the gospel. I don't think it has to be complicated. 
but we have seminared soul winning to death. To where it has become a lot of man's methods and techniques and has left faith completely out of the issue. And to where we now have men and pastors traveling the country and quote-unquote leading people to Christ, and really all they did was lead them to prayer. They really did not lead them to Christ. And there's a big difference there. And we need to be so careful that when we share the gospel with someone, that the Holy Spirit has done a work in their heart, and they have put their faith in Him because of that work. Not, not that we have led them to say a prayer. Now, I'm not against praying with a sinner to trust Christ as their Savior. I do. But what I'm getting at is we oftentimes get straight to the prayer and leave the heart of the matter completely out. And we have to be so careful of that. All right, Galatians chapter number 3. Let's look at verse number 14. Let's back up verse number 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on Gentiles through Christ or through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. Again, over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. We're not talking about four or five verses that we've taken out of context. And even in the five or six or however many verses a baptismal regenerationist will will hold to, they all say still, in, in some sense, believe. Or that sometimes it uses the word repent, which you can't repent without believing, so that's still the belief issue. All of theirs say belief. And then they add baptism because that's in that passage. But every other scripture we have always says belief. Always. It cannot be divorced from the issue of salvation. It is there. It's part of it. All right. Uh, where do we leave off? Did you all, I gave you Galatians 3.14, right? Okay, let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 3. And we're going to work our way through the book of Hebrews. There's, there's more in here. I picked some of the better ones that I knew of. Uh, there's even more in the book of Hebrews that you can find as well. But Hebrews chapter number 3, and uh, let's look down to verse number... Uh, let's go down to verse number 17. Um, let's back up to verse number 14. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said... Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom he grieved, was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but them that what? Believe not. Those that don't enter into God's rest are simply not entering into God's rest because they did not believe. Only for that reason. Okay? Let's look in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, being, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The reason the gospel wasn't powerful unto salvation in their hearts, verse number 2, is because it was not mixed with what? 
their faith. The, the, the preaching of the cross was to them that perished foolishness. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. There were people who did not enter into God's rest, even though they had heard the same gospel you and I heard. Why? Because it was not mixed with their faith. That's what it says, verse number 2. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. What did we have to do to enter into his rest? <laughs> it says, verse number 3, again, very easy. For we which have believed do enter into his rest. Pretty simple. God does not make salvation hard. He does not make it difficult. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. If we are to enter into his rest, it has to be by faith. By faith. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. One of the greatest pictures of salvation and redemption, I think, is the story of the Israelites in the wilderness when God had sent the fiery serpents. And then told Moses, he said, I want you to make a, uh, a serpent, put it up on a pole in the midst of the, um, in the, midst of the uh, people. And he said, when they get bitten, if they will look, he said, all they have to do is look and live. They put their eyes upon him. And it's not talking about looking, I don't think. In the Old Testament, it was with the physical eyes, but when, what the point is here is that we see with our, our spiritual eyes. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin, unto salvation. All we have to do is look and live. Uh, look in Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Let us draw near with the true what? Verse number 22, let us draw near with the true what? In full assurance of what? Faith. That causes us to have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure what? Our faith... Causes our bodies to be washed with pure water. So that's not talking about water baptism here, is it? No, it's talking about sanctification. Our evil consciences. Our flesh nature. Our body. The life that we live in this flesh. Being washed with pure water. Why? Because of our faith. Not because we were baptized. And he goes on in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. So again, it's faith that does this. All right, look with me in chapter number 10. And uh, this is probably our last one, verse number 39. Uh, back at verse number 38, just for, so we can see it. Now the just shall live by faith. That's a pretty simple statement. 
But if any man draw back, my soul, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the what? <laughs> to the saving of the soul. We believe to the saving of the soul. So if we ever come across someone or we're trying to help maybe a friend or a neighbor that believes that you have to be, uh, uh, you have to believe and be baptized or repent and be baptized to be saved, we need to be able to not only show how that is not true according to Scripture, but we also need to be able to show them then what is true according to Scripture. What does cause the Holy Spirit to do His supernatural work of redeeming us, indwelling us, uh, walking with us, sanctifying us? What does bring that? And we found today that it's faith and faith alone, not faith in baptism. All right? So I hope that will be a help to you. Hopefully in, on Sunday afternoons, and we mentioned this several weeks ago, we're going to try to give some doctrinal things like this where we can give you some tools and things to help better equip us so that we not only are convinced in of our own hearts of these matters from Scripture, but we're able to be able to teach others as well. We're able to help them in these areas. So I hope that will be a help to you. Uh, let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we do pray that you'll bless the time that we've spent together around your Word. May we, may we hold to it and what it says. May, may we learn from it so much truth that is in there. Sometimes uh, we have to dig for it. Sometimes it's right there on the surface and we just all we have to do is read it. And Lord, the truth is salvation is a very simple thing. It's not something you've made complex or difficult or confusing. Lord, may we learn the simple truth of salvation. May we be able to proclaim it and share it easily with someone. It shouldn't be a difficult thing for us to try to share the gospel with someone and uh, for us to say, well, I just don't know how. Lord, the, the truth is it's a very, very simple thing. It comes down to this entire thing of putting our faith in Christ. And so, Father, help us in this area. Uh, help us to be able to give a defense of pure doctrine from a pure word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.